Hi, this is Cal Quantrill, and you're listening to the East Village Times Podcast. The East Village Times Podcast is sponsored by Original Grain Watches. Uh, for a limited time, they're offering a promotion code for us, for all of our listeners. Uh, EVT15 is the promotional code, and that will give, give you 15% off uh, their entire uh, inventory. So check it out, Original Grain Dot com is the site. Uh, they make some beautiful watches, local company based out of San Diego. Uh, check them out. NL West, SD across the chest. Youth movement, really dope X prospects. Big Willie, leader of the young pups. They hating on us. Watch the youth them jump up. We ain't care, we ain't scared of nobody. The outfield, mad skills, lottie dotty. Austin Hedges throwing out everybody. We at the ballpark, every game's a party. Ignorance is bliss, so we never trip. If the pitching's up the pod, and watch out for the kids. EVT is out here broadcasting. EVT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick, ask them. Padres EVT Podcast. Padres EVT Podcast. Greetings and welcome to the East Village Times Podcast. I'm your host, James Clark, and with me, as usual, is Patrick Brewer. What's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today? I am doing good, uh, James. How are you doing? I am doing well. I see you are updating all your Padres stats for all the uh, stat crunchers out there. Yeah, I went a little crazy this afternoon. Um, it's been a bit since I did the full set of both minor and major leagues, so I thought I'd update them all. Um, the major league side made me a little sad, but there's plenty of uh, bright spots on the minor league numbers to uh, keep me going here through the uh, dog days of August. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, there's there's still some bright spots with the major league team. I mean, when you look at Perella and Spangerberg and Margot's numbers, but the numbers are not there for one Will Myers, are they, Patrick? Oh, do we have to talk about him? <laughs> sure, why not? Let's just go right into the hot topic of, of today uh, between you and I, and that's the fact that Will Myers is still not producing. And we have, uh, what, about five weeks left in the season? Yeah, we're getting down to the wire. I think it's actually six. Six, it's, it okay. It goes in a little into October. But, yeah, it's getting down to the wire. We're going to need to see – I think many fans want to see some sort of turnaround from him at this point. I mean, even if it's just some positive development to go into next year, I mean – it's hard to see him struggle so much. Uh, he's not in the lineup tonight. Dennis Lynn tweeted that out. He's hitting his slash line is 181, 305, 409 since the All Star break. Just not cu- not cutting it. Um, over his last 30 days, I updated my numbers. He's got a 69 WRC plus. Um, he, he's walking a lot. I mean, he's got a 12.5% walk rate during that time. His walk rate for the year is up to 11%, but he's just not hitting the ball as hard as he was in the past. Um, the strikeout rate has actually fallen a bit, which kind of weird that the strikeout rate's fallen, but the production hasn't really returned to where it was. Um, I just think his confidence is shot, and I'm not really sure what it takes at this point to fix that because it's just been such a long time of him struggling, and I don't know if he's like so far gone this season, if it just needs to be like next year that we got to hope for better times, but I don't know, man. He's, he's an enigma. I know I use that word a lot, but... <laughs> that's the best thing I can do to describe him. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's confusing seeing him play at this point. It's just, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of fans had some high expectations for him, and, and he's obviously not living up to them. <clears throat> um, it, it's tough. It's tough being a Padre fan, and 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 the star of the team, uh, the team, the player that the team is built around, is just not producing. But 
it's nice seeing that, that Perella and other players are, are stepping up around him. And you really have to imagine what, what a productive season from World Myers would, would uh, you know, what would the, what would that do to this overall team and as far as wins and losses? Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe Will Myers is the only one who's down with the tank. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of <laughs> funny to see how much this team's overperformed when the guy we expected to be the one guy that should have overperformed not performing at all, really. And yeah. it's weird to see where this team would be if they had a couple more wins under their belt, maybe from Will Myers. I mean, it's really weird to think that they're good even without him performing literally at all to this point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, This season's been, been different. Uh, obviously, the team's playing better than, than what most people thought, but the fact that Myers is not producing is, is kind of uh, strange. Um, you know, the, the, the season has been... Has gone well, uh, you know. Hedges has produced. Uh, we'd like to see his batting average a little higher, and, and you know, obviously cut down the K rate a little bit. But he's producing defensively. You couldn't have asked for anything more. Um, the the growth and the development of Margot has really been impressive uh, to me over the last month or so. Uh, that's someone that you can build your team around, and someone that you can kind of take solace in, in watching every day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good to see at least some bright spots. Um, you don't want the team to just be so grotesquely bad that it's unwatchable. I mean, yeah. it hasn't been the most watchable at times. Uh, I'm guilty of not always paying full attention to the Major League team, but there, there's definitely bright spots. Um, it's good to see Jose Perella doing so well. Corey Spanderberg's been really hot the last month. Uh, Manny Margot's turned it up uh, lower last month as well. So it's good to see those guys developing and they're getting better. And these guys are still young. I mean, Perel's a little older, obviously. He's been in the minors for a while, but he's still relatively young by baseball standards. So it's good to see him um, finally, I guess, having the career that many thought he could have had when he was kind of a top prospect way back when. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Padres are in St. Louis right now. <clears throat> uh, Luis Perdomo, Perdomo is going to have a chance to face his old squad. Um, I'd love to get your impression on, on Perdomo's season. He's he's kind of been up and down, um, just kind of you know one one appearance. Uh, you'll see what the Padres are so excited about this young man, and then the next appearance he'll kind of just regress in an inning and just have a huge inning and kind of just fall apart. <clears throat> um, give me your impression of Luis Perdomo for the, for this uh, 2017 season. Yeah, save for um, save for Will Myers. I think I've probably written about. Luis Perdomo, um, more than just about anyone else. Um, <laughs> he's become one of my, I guess, favorites, I want to say. I mean, he's just so intriguing. The kind of pitcher he could be if he just puts it together. I know you, you say that about so many guys, and the Potters have been just rife with those kind of players. I mean, you look at Andrew Kashner, a guy like, oh, if he could just put it together, he'd be so good. And we, we waited <laughs> on that for years, and it never came. And I don't mean to, to denigrate um, – Perdomo and say he's Andrew Kashner in, in, by any stretch, but it's been frustrating. I mean, he's had those bright moments. Um, he's, he's such a great ground ball pitcher, and that's apparent. I mean, he, he had a ground ball rate of 59% last year. He's already raised that almost four percentage points this year. Um, he's cut down on the home runs a little bit. His walk rate has actually increased this year compared to last year. I mean, his strikeout rate has also increased by a similar rate, so that's been good for him, but Overall, yeah, it's just frustrating to watch him. I mean, for every good start, it seems like he has a bad start, and there's never any consistency, really. I mean, it's just so up and down, back and forth. Um, it's hard to really squint and see him being a, a front-of-line pitcher or even like a mid-rotation pitcher, but I think there's definitely still the possibility of this guy being a back-rotation starter. Um, 
when this team is good again. Obviously, there's so many other pitchers that are going to play into that. You have so much talent in Double A and down to Low A and even in the rookie league. So it's going to be interesting to see where he fits long term. But I mean, the guy has he has potential still, and we, we got to remember. I think a lot of people forget this that he had really almost no minor league experience. I mean, he's twenty. He's still only 24 years old. He was basically thrown to the fire last year at the big league level. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it takes him two or three more years to really come into his own and be the pitcher he can be if he ever reaches that sort of ceiling. Um, it's not going to be a quick turnaround. I think it's going to be a more of a long-term sort of project. And, and that's fine, given the situation. I mean, being a Rule 5 selection is never easy. You, you don't really see those guys... Um, break out in a big way. It's more of a rare instance where these guys actually work out. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping for him. He's a good guy. Um, love watching him pitch. When he's on, he's mm-hmm. on. So it's going to be fun to watch his development over the next few years for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, being that he is a, a Wolf Five pick, I think it's it's pretty interesting the fact that he's able to survive uh, his second season in the major leagues and and, and stay here the whole time. Um, more often than not, a pitcher's claimed like that, and and they're sent back to the minors for for more seasoning. So, the fact that he's back up here, or the fact that he's been here the whole year, and he's producing for the most part, is uh, you know, it bodes well for his future. You know, he's he's figuring it out slowly. Uh, you you alluded to it. He he you know should probably be in like double A right now uh, with the missions. Uh, if the Padres draft him, you know out of out of the, the Dominican Republic, and he he made the steps that he was going to do. Uh, but it's exciting to see the progression in a young player like that. Um, Nelson Lamette's another one who's who's come on uh, and and really performed well. Uh, it, it bodes well for the for the 2007 uh, 2018 season coming up that you know we have a couple of pitchers that you you can rely on um, as as the Padres build their staff. Yeah, I mean they might not be good all the time, but both guys have their bright spots and it's going to yeah. be fun to watch them leading the rotation next year which they probably won't be leading the rotation long term, but at least for next year, I think it's a good picture to have. You see these guys developing. It's it's honestly better than watching um, guys like Jared Weaver go out there and struggle. I mean, I'd rather see Luis Perdomo go up eight runs than Jared Weaver go up eight runs. So for, for me, that's just part of his development, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from him going forward. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so the Padres are in St. Louis uh, looking uh, to take the series uh, with Game 3 tonight. Um, we are going to be joined shortly um, Nathan Ruiz, uh, associate reporter for MLB.com, who uh, does a lot of stuff for the Padres. He's in the locker room. Uh, he will join us shortly, and we'll get an idea of what Nathan does with the team. Uh, I believe he just started in June, so it's going to be uh, interesting to see what his um, – what his recollection of, of, of the team and, and just basically what he sees on a day-to-day basis uh, from this young Padre team. Uh, so stay with us, folks. Uh, episode 59 uh, with Nathan Ruiz. We will be back shortly. Welcome back, folks, uh, to episode 59. Uh, we are lucky to be joined by associate reporter for MLB.com, who uh, specifically covers uh, the Padres and does a lot of Padres stuff, uh, Nathan Ruiz. What's going on, Nathan? How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Uh, you know, let's first off, let's let's talk a little bit about yourself before we, we delve into the team. Uh, I Dude, looking in your bio, you're an uh, OSU graduate. Uh, you know, I see a lot of passion for baseball in you. That's that's excellent. Um Talk about your your uh, your experience in the industry and uh, maybe some goals and stuff that you have in mind. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I just graduated from Oklahoma State in May. 
I was fortunate enough to land what is effectively an internship at MLB.com for this season and moved out to San Diego shortly after graduation. I covered Oklahoma State baseball since my freshman year. I wrote for my high school paper a little bit too, way back in the day, what it feels like now. Um, and yeah, so I've just had the fortune of being around the clubhouse, being around the Padres, working with AJ Casabell, as well as Jeff Sanders and Dennis Lynn at uh, the Union Tribune, and just been a really good experience so far this summer. Nice, nice. That's good stuff, man. So you, you, have, you. This is something you want to do life, lifeline, right? or lifetime. This is a a goal of yours to be a, a baseball uh, writer, if you were a baseball uh, beat writer. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely the end goal for me. So to get the opportunity to experience it this summer and make sure it's something that one I can handle and two I can enjoy. It's it's been a thrill, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, the end goal down the line, three, four, five, however many years, is to be doing the same thing I've been doing this summer. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, have you been to San Diego before? What was you, what's your impression of the city? Yeah, I, I have family out here, so it was really convenient. Okay. To be, I'm, I'm just living with family out, out here, so it makes it a lot easier uh, when I don't have to pay rent in addition to all these other different <laughs> things I've got going on. But, yeah, like uh, yeah, obviously, it's a wonderful city. Weather's great. Uh, ballpark is beautiful. Uh, city itself is beautiful, so I've had a wonderful time so far. Nice, nice. Had you uh, covered the part, or had you... You know, uh, seen much about the Padres before this year? Or had you, you know, I, I don't know how to explain it. Have you, you know, looked at them and, and kind of uh, critiqued them? I, I know 2015 was an exciting year uh, for the Padres. Uh, they don't get a lot of press nationally, but, um, you know, talk about the team prior to this year and your impression of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan in general, so it's something they're definitely a team I was aware of. Will Myers was a player I really liked when he was in Tampa Bay. So to see him and be covering him now is a pretty cool experience. But just in general, you know, I mean, they're a team that's always kind of struggled. I mean, in 2010, obviously, they came so close to making the playoffs, had that 10-game losing streak in there, and obviously that was rough. And then between everything else, just the history of the team, I've become more aware of it now that I've, now that I've been around it, but obviously I've heard of I knew who Trevor Hoffman was. I knew who Tony Gwynn was. These were players I was aware of growing up so to be here now in the franchise and be able to learn more about it has been a cool experience for sure nice nice it's it's uh baseball's a fascinating sport it really is i mean i'm as we're recording i'm watching the tigers and yankees brawl for i think the fifth time it's uh it's pretty uh it's pretty intense pretty intense game um give me your impression of the locker room you know your first time you walked in uh give me your impression of the major league locker room and what you thought about that uh, you know, I think with this club in particular, because all of them are so young, a lot of them are really open and honest. Uh, Will Myers has been really forthright about his struggles that he's been dealt with, th- that he's been dealing with this year. hasn't really shied from really saying anything except for the occasional specific about what mechanically he's doing. Um, but for the most part, everyone's really open and honest, really forthright. Uh, a bunch of really good guys, even some of the guys like Wood who came over. He's been a great, really fun guy to talk to. Clayton Richards seems just like a great positive. You can see why the guys in the clubhouse really like him. Um, but, yeah, just overall. And then Andy Green. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little bit sick. Uh, but Andy Green has just been a really smart guy who, who will answer any question I have about just a strategy move or anything. If Why did you bunt here? Why didn't you bunt here? What was what was your thought process in this moment? And he just he'll answer the question if, if anyone's asking it. He just seems like a really smart, intelligent guy. And it makes sense that they gave him that extension just when you consider those things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, let's talk about the green extension. That's something that I think Padre fans were uh, basically waiting for when rather than if, because, you know, he seems like the right man to lead this young team. 
uh, you, you deal with him on a daily basis. He he's very sincere. He'll look looks you right in the eye. Uh, he's not afraid to answer questions, and I think that's exactly what this young team needs to to cultivate these players. Um, you know, Green has had a little bit of scrutiny uh, for some past uh, you know managerial decisions, uh, in, in particular the Rizzo. Uh, you, I don't believe you were with the team at the time when when the Rizzo slide happened uh, with Hedges in in uh, Chicago. I was uh, I was covering the team, but I wasn't on the trip. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know, there's going to be instances in a major league season where where fans aren't, aren't exactly going to, you know, understand what what the manager's doing. Um, Patrick and I kind of go back and forth on on this uh, this you know protecting your team, hitting players type of uh, you know old school type of mentality that that, that players have. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, I don't want to open up a can of worms with Patrick, but um, as I'm sitting here watching the Tigers Yankee game again, I mean, it's just it, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on the game of baseball and you know, beanball, if you will. Yeah, I think Andy handled that situation the right way. I think he defends his players. I don't think that's an issue. I think he has their respect. They all view him as an incredibly intelligent baseball guy. And when we talked to them about the extension, all they said was, "He's a really smart guy. I've learned so much from him." Austin Hedges, Will Myers, all those different players said all these different positive things about him. And I think they, they see him as a really uh, as a great leader for this clubhouse going forward. If you go back to those different situations, I mean, you look at the Alex Wood, Jose Perella situation, he was out there defending his player. It's not, Andy, the whole, I've seen it on Twitter every now and then with people calling Andy Green soft, and I don't know if that's yeah. Yeah. facetious, but I don't, I don't get that impression from him. I think no. he's the kind of guy who's out there to defend his players. And he's excited to go down the line in two or three years and be leading this club in a pennant race. And I think uh, Andy Green is logically the right guy to do that, just based on how he's viewed in that clubhouse as as a leader and as an intelligent baseball man. Yeah, I, I think fans can be re- really fickle with how the manager acts and kind of how they are to judge every action of a manager. So I think as long as he has the clubhouse and the, the players like playing for him and they support him, and he's he's got got that uh, cultivated relationship. I think. You kind of just got to roll with it, and that's what the Padres did when they signed him to the extension, and I think it it was the right move. Um, I wanted to uh, take our conversation on to the tank. Uh, me and uh, James have talked about this uh, ad nauseum at this point, uh, what it means to be tanking, how the Padres are tanking, how it's going. Um, I know Bill Center tweeted yesterday that the Padres, I, I guess he doesn't really understand what the word tank really means, and I think he thinks that it's like the team's purposely losing on the field when I think most of us understand that tank doesn't necessarily mean the players aren't trying it means that the organization isn't using all their resources for the major league club at this moment they're not putting all their eggs in that basket they're not signing players they're not trading for players um i think it's pretty clear what their intention was going into the season they may not want to want to admit that they're purposely trying to lose or putting a subpar product on the field but i think it's pretty evident that that's what they were doing um i wanted your thoughts on kind of how you see the team i know you've you've got a little bit of an in, you kind of interact with these guys on a daily basis. Um, how do you think the, the season's going for them, the, the development of players? Uh, how is the tank going? I think uh, since I started, I started, my first game was June 3rd. They started 0-5 uh, <laughs> from my first game. They were coming off that five-game winning streak where they swept the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I showed up. and So I was helping the tank, I guess, for a little bit there. But I think <laughs> overall, uh, during my tenure, I think they're right around 500. And most of the games I cover are the games at home, and they've played really well there as of late. So I think overall I've seen them as a pretty good baseball team. Obviously not a playoff contender, uh, and to 
trying to put that thought in anyone's head is a little out there, but uh, I think they're a qual- it's a group of young, talented players. I think there's reason to be excited for the future. I understand the prospect of the tank uh, with the idea of you get a better draft pick, you get a Mackenzie Gore, a Hunter Green, you get more talent in the organization, but at the same time, if you're sending these young players, like that, that first wave has come along, if these players are going out there and they aren't being competitive and they're losing games, I, I, it doesn't build a a winning culture. And uh, culture is kind of a you know a, a, an out there term as well. But I think if if you're establishing a situation that this team wants to be competitive, this team wants to win games, that Andy Green wants to go out there and defend his players against the Dodgers, I think it builds a situation where two or three years down the line, that's something that sticks in their heads, and they can they can say. We can go be competitive. From an organizational standpoint, like you mentioned, I think not trading Julius Chassin was a definite surprise. I think Brad Hand makes sense, personally. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you aren't going to get a, uh, a, a worthy trade piece, like why not hold on to the guy, see if he wants to resign? He's still only, I think, 29. Yeah. So he's a guy that in two or three years could still be a 3-4 starter for a playoff rotation. And if especially the way he pitches at Petco Park, that's a really valuable asset for this club. Yeah, I think that's definitely true that keeping him doesn't necessarily have to be like the wrong decision. I mean, he's eating innings, he's pitching well at home. I think that's really all you can ask for him. And yeah, maybe he signs uh, past this season and they have another guy to do the same thing next year, eat some more innings and go from there. Um, I wonder your thoughts. Kind of the big news recently was uh, the demotion of Hunter Renfro. Um, Obviously, his performance kind of cratered there over the last few months. And into August, I don't think he took a walk. right before he was demoted. I don't think he took any walks in August at all. Um, I, I wanted your thoughts on, on why you think they made that move. Um, is, is it more about maybe his attitude or just strictly on the performance and maybe, maybe he needs a wake-up call? What, what are your thoughts and what have you heard uh, from the clubhouse? I don't know if attitude is necessarily the right word. Hunter always seemed to be a, a really positive guy, You know, answered all the questions that w- we had about anything, uh, even if it was non-baseball related. I know he... Uh, AJ, Corey Spangenberg always talked about Game of Thrones. Uh, but I think with him, is he just strictly like wasn't performing. He is, like you said, his, his walk total, his, he took 15 walks in May, has drawn nine since then. Uh, strikeouts were up, and I think that was partially to be expected, but the power had evapor- evaporated because he wasn't making contact in the same way. So I think for him, you give him the opportunity to go back to the PCL. He was the MVP there last year. And maybe, you know, he, it, it allows him to both make the mechanical adjustments they want to see with it's an improvement in getting on base that was strictly how Andy Green put it but also I think it helps him you know gain some confidence he had been kind of overmatched as of as of late but now he can go down hit a little bit and maybe kind of carry that hot streak up when he comes back up in a in a couple weeks here yeah I mean we're all kind of hoping that that he figures it out and, and down there and has a productive September because it's all about the future and you want him to have a good taste in his mouth when 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 the season's all said and done. So we're hoping that Renfro is able to find out, you know, figure out his uh, his walk issues and his strikeout issues. Um, you know, at the beginning, we discussed Will Myers slump a little bit. Are you alluded to the fact that he's able to talk about it or he's willing to talk about it? Um, that's something that Patrick and I have just constantly been hitting on because we had a naturally we had a high expectation for Myers coming into the year. Um, you know, a lot of players are producing around him, but yet he's still hasn't been able to figure it out. Um, I, I'd love to hear your impression. To, to me, it looks like he's pressing a little too hard. Uh, Patrick and I have talked about this before. It's not that it seems that he's maybe putting too much on his shoulders and and trying to justify his contract, if you will. But 
Um, I'd love to hear your impression about Myers and, and what you think uh, the issues with him right now are. Uh, he's kind of admitted that it's all within his own head a little bit, that a lot okay. of it is just a, a mental side of things. And so I think that pressure you mentioned is part of it. Um, he wants to produce. He he feels the weight of this of this city. That's how Andy, Andy Green has put that pressure on him. I don't want to say that. Andy <laughs> Green has, has said that the pressure of the city is something that's affecting him. Yes. He, he's the face of the franchise, given that contract. Uh, but I think when you look at it, he is a guy who – has produced when healthy for the majority of his career, and now really for the last going back to to the All Star break going forward, uh, he hasn't really been the same player he was before, and so I think his timing is off. He he said that that he's having some timing issues. So balls he previously roped are now just simply being fouled off or being weakly hit because he's he's not timed as well. But I think he's in his own head too. Whereas one thing will lead to another, and I don't know how many times we've we've said, "Oh, is that the swing?" or is that stolen base is going to be what gets him going, but it, it's such baseball. Obviously, with 162 games, it's hard to look at one moment and say this is what's going to change things for him. So I think it, what he really needs to do is just have a long stretch. Like I don't think one game anymore we can say, oh, that's it. It needs to be a one week, two week, week long stretch. So if Hunter Renfro and Will Myers can end the season performing relatively well, obviously it builds excitement heading in to 2018. Yeah, I think that's definitely their goal is to get these uh, these young guys progressing in the right direction. Uh, you know, Myers is is definitely an enigma. It's it's just it's frustrating watching him because we all know the ability that he has, and it, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm sure he's equally as frustrated, and, and we're just kind of waiting for that hot streak to, to happen at this point. Um, let's move on to some players that are really performing out of their mind. Uh, Jose Perella, in particular, someone that I'm that I'm really pleased with I, I, from spring training on. I just could see it in his eyes that he wanted to be a major leaguer. He was ready to, to make that step. Um, we're talking about a guy who was 10 years, roughly 10 years in the minor leagues, uh, was DFA'd by the team last year, could have signed with anyone. Um, you know, talk to me about the motivational factors that the players like that have journeyman type players that, you know, when it comes down to talent, it's pretty much equal across the board as far as the major league uh, player is concerned. But sometimes, extra motivation kind of kicks in and, and takes him to the next level. So talk to me about Perella and what you see from that young man. Um, I think Perella, Carlos Oswahe, and Jabari Blash, obviously all of their backgrounds are a lot different, but what you've seen from them over stretches of this season is this is the first time they've really been afforded an, a long-standing opportunity in the major leagues to show what they can do. Like we were just saying with Will, like one or two games, if he has one or two good games, it's not going to define, oh, he's, he's turned it back around. Whereas these younger players were having one or two bad games, and then all of a sudden you're saying, "Oh, well, this is maybe this is just what they are." When you see those extended stretches, it's it's the opposite of a you know a larger sample size. When you get that larger sample size, you're getting a better idea. So I think with Purella, he worked a lot. I think on a raising his launch angle, honestly, to drop in that stat cast term. But I think that's really something okay. he was working on to develop some power to get that uppercut swing a little bit more to where he's driving the ball a bit more. But again, I think it's really just that opportunity, that willingness to go out there and play the outfield and learn the outfield a lot better. I don't think he's he's a great outfielder by any means, but he's definitely improved in that area over the course of his time out there. So I think he he's definitely a piece that going forward could provide value to the Padres, whether it's as a, 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 a he, he's hitting. So anyone who can hit, you find somewhere on the field for them. And so he provides value in that sense, but also as a trade chip potentially should uh, they choose to go that direction with him. 
So we've talked about a few guys that have been a little disappointing, a few guys that have kind of maybe exceeded expectations. Um, I wanted your thoughts on maybe one or two players who have impressed you the most uh, since you've been with the team. I know it's only been a little over two months since you've been really fully following the Padres. So has anyone really stood out to you that you wanted to mention? I, I think Corey Spangenberg's recent stretch really stands out. Just you know, I think he has 14 career minor league home runs, and now he has 13 this season alone. So for him to go out and for him, he really said it was just simply trying to hit the ball harder. Like that's all he was trying to do was just he just tried it, and it was a result that was happening. And that kind of makes sense because he was a player who previously had tried to hit line drives. And so sometimes that's all the adjustment it takes is just being willing to say, "Hey, I want to hit for power now." and then making the adjustments necessary. So I think he's a player that's been really impressive. You know, he was a guy who obviously started the season down in the minor leagues and then came up here and has just really performed. I think Carlos Oswalha is a really impressive player uh, in the sense that every, I don't think he gives away an at-bat. Every at-bat is hard fought with him. Uh, I'm really excited to see Manuel Margot going forward, just not, not alone with what I get to see for the rest of this season, but also, you know, as his career continued, can, continues to develop, just a really exciting player defensively, offensively. Uh, so he's a player that I've really enjoyed watching during my time here. Definitely true on uh, Margot. I really think he's developed a lot in the rec- in recent weeks. I think he's going to be a, a big part of the team going forward. Um, I wanted to bounce to the bullpen. Um, I know we've seen Brad Hand obviously stay with the team. He's continued to pitch well. Uh, Kirby Yates has maybe slowed down a little bit since um, where he was at earlier in the year. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Phil Maton. Uh, he... Obviously, started his career pretty well. He's, I think, taken a step back recently. I, I wanted your thoughts on him and, and what you've seen. Maybe, maybe a little bit about why he's been struggling lately. If you've uh, seen anything or heard anything. Uh, I mean, as, uh, Andy Green said his velo was down a little bit during that rough stretch he was having, but it jumped back up. And I don't know exactly what the specifics are with that. But I mean, I think as far as he goes, it's just a matter of getting your feet wet, and that's going to happen to any rookie. Um, you're going to have your hot stretches and your cold stretches. It's going to happen to any major league baseball player, really. Um, so for him, it's just kind of riding the wave and getting that first taste of what it's like to struggle at this level. Because like you said, he came up and I think his first 10 appearances, were all, he didn't give up a run. So now he's going through that first little bit of, of struggling, and that's going to happen. I think it's in the long run, it'll probably do him good that he can say, hey, I'm going through this rough patch. But at some point, he's going to get out of it because he is a really talented reliever. He's got a great arm. That fastball is really impressive. I think his slider has impressed uh, the Padres organization a lot more than maybe they expected it to. Uh, but he's a guy who they they profile as being a back-end reliever for them for the next several years. So I think there's obviously a developmental curve there that he's undergoing right now, but as time goes on, I'm sure I'll be fine. Yeah, I think uh, Maton's just, like you say, going through a little bit of a rough stretch. I, uh, we mentioned launch angle. Uh, I think that his, his style of pitching – uh, really bodes well for his future with a lot of players trying to drive the ball and trying to uh, get, get um, uppercutting the, the pitch, basically. Uh, his high-running fastball is going to be a, a pretty uh, effective pitch to neutralize that. He just needs to, you know, find find himself. Uh, he's a young player, young pitcher, and, and more often than not, those guys need a, a little bit of seasoning to, to, get, to get better. Um, let's talk about Austin Hedges, someone who's, uh, you know, he's quietly become uh, a leader on the team. Um, I'd like to know your your thoughts on him and, and whether or not he's vocal in the clubhouse. Uh, it seems like a lot of players look to him um, for guidance, uh, in particular the young pitchers. Um, give me your impression of Hedges and, and more more about uh, what, he is, uh, what he means to this team in the locker room. Yeah, uh, w- when we ask 
Austin questions, he doesn't really like to talk about himself. But if you ask him about another player's performance, especially one of his pitchers, he can go on and on and on. Uh, so I think that says a lot about him just right there. Uh, obviously, I think the uh, the average numbers aren't exactly the rate stats aren't exactly where he'd like them to be. But he he does a good job, I think, of separating offense and defense because obviously he's an immensely talented catcher. And uh, so defensively speaking, I think he's one of the best in baseball. If he can hit, you know, 240 with 20, 25 home runs every year for his career, you take that. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I, I don't think he puts too much pressure on himself to produce offensively. I think it'll help when there's a more consistent, uh, consistently performing lineup around him, as these other guys, Margot, Renfro, Myers, really start to turn it on. Uh, but for him, if he's just a piece in that 7-8 spot, uh, doing what he's doing defensively, I think he'll be a big part of this ball club going forward, obviously. Yeah, no, yeah, Padre fans are excited for, for his future. Just defensively what he brings, and, and, you know, we talked about it. He's a quiet leader. Just the fact that he doesn't want to talk about himself and rather discuss his teammates and, and praise them is something that I think the locker room uh, re- just looks at and, and values as a, as, a, you know, as a future leader of this team. Um, we mentioned Carlos Esuaje and the fact that he grinds out at bats, and, and I, I love watching that that guy play. I mean, he just uh, he's a gamer in every sense of the word. I think Andy Green really appreciates that, since that's kind of the mold of, of ball playing that that he was when he played. Um, let's talk about second base and what the future of that position is uh, for 2018. I, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but it seems like the Padres are really loaded at second base. Uh, Perella is probably best defensive position at second base. Uh, Spangenberg, Solarte, you have Urias in the minors. Um, what do you think of the future of this uh, franchise is at second base? I think, for I mean, if Carlos Oswale keeps hitting around 300, I think that he's a logical fit there going forward. I think Younger Solarte obviously is a fit to be traded in this offseason, but he he's, a again, you mentioned clubhouse leaders. Uh, the, the Latin players in that clubhouse really respect Younger Solarte and really look up to him, and he's a guy that provides leadership and energy to the whole ball club. So I think you know those factors have to be considered when you consider when you think about trading him. Uh, but obviously, there's a lot of uh, developing talent at at second in the infield, which I think is exciting considering the what the shortstop uh, position has historically been for this franchise. Mm-hmm. But when you uh, when you look in my eyes, I think at least going into 2018, Carlos Oswale hasn't done anything to cost himself the job. If he keeps doing what he's doing, you know he'll be a, he'll be a viable part of that lineup going forward. Yeah, no, I th- I think that he's he's playing himself into the into the role, and he, at this point, you can't take him out. Uh, you need grinders at the top of the order. Uh, you know, he uh, he has ten, twelve pitch at bats constantly, and, and that's the type of old school type of uh, player you need on top of the order to just give everyone the opportunity to see what the pitcher has. And it must be frustrating for a major league pitcher to to have to face someone like that at the top of the order. And uh, again, Andy Green loves that type of ball player, so uh, I'm excited to see what Carlos Esquivel brings to the table. And I, I just I hope he's able to to sustain this through the rest of the year. And and you know, next season is going to be exciting for this team. Uh, the Padres are built for the future. We all know that uh, the minor league system is is what is what is flourishing right now. Um, I know you don't do a lot with the minor leagues, but give me your impression of of the minor league system that this team has right now. It's it's got to be. Uh, it's got to be impressive for you to go and, and look and see it at these young these young players uh, performing already at, at the single A, double A, triple A level. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, after with I remember the just being a fan and seeing what was a uh, baseball and seeing in 2015 what AJ Preller was doing with with Upton and Kimbrel and all these different moves that are being made. 
to build what almost felt like, I won't say a super franchise, but you thought that this was a team that was going to contend, and obviously the results weren't there. But then the turnaround from that point for him to build this system, and I mean, he got Tatis for uh, for James Shields, and so you look at all those different moves and all these different pieces he's added to build what is obviously a top five farm system in baseball. Um, but every night I feel like I see MLB Pipeline tweet about some other yes. Padre <laughs> prospect that's having a big night. So uh, obviously the the future is bright for the organization. I think even if even if the possibility is out there that it doesn't lead to a World Series, because I think once you get in the playoffs, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I think they're building an organization that can compete uh, by 2019, 2020, 2021. Once these, and obviously, I don't think every single one of these pieces is going to quote unquote arrive. Uh, is going to be a star player. Is going to necessarily have as as much success as would be hoped for. But I think when you build as much quality depth as this organization has developed, some of it is bound to turn out. And I think that's definitely an exciting from that from that vantage point. Yeah, no, you, you said it. They have so much depth that, you know, some of these guys are going to pan out. Obviously, not all of them are going to be productive major leaguers, but you got to figure with the nucleus that they have that a couple of them should be decent stars, if not higher. So, um, Nathan, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. We, we had a great time. Uh, I think we pretty much covered uh, everything on the Major League roster that's uh, newsworthy. Um, anything in particular you'd like to discuss or get out to the fans before we uh, head out of here? No, guys, I think you covered it. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate all the people who have kind of uh, welcomed me into the Padres Twitter sphere or whatever. Uh, it's for been sure. a fun time, absolutely. Yeah, for sure, man. We 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 love the the locker room stuff you bring in the interviews, the the inside information. We we love it, and you know, uh, bring more of it. And you know, best of luck in, in everything you do. And uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have you on the show again shortly. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate it. All right, Nathan. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You too. Take care, Nathan. Bye. All right, folks. That was at, uh, associate reporter for MLB.com uh, for the Padres. Uh, he covers the team, is in the locker room, sees them on a daily basis. So it's nice to be able to pick his brain a little bit about uh, insight on the team, stuff that he uh, can only see. Um, Patrick, that was a pretty good interview. I'm, I'm very satisfied with uh, with uh, talking to Mr. Ruiz. Yeah, it's always good to get new perspectives. I know we like to talk to people both within the team, outside the team, um, maybe uh, guys that don't watch the team on a daily basis, like we talk to more national writers. I think it's really good to get mm-hmm. multiple perspectives to really get a, a full gauge of where this team's at and kind of where definitely. it is going forward. But it's definitely good to get definitely. his opinion on guys he's talked to on a daily basis and guys he's interacted with and kind of how they see the season going, how they see the team looking. Um, it's mm-hmm. really good information. I think it provides a better uh, experience for, for fans watching the team on the field. For sure, for sure. He's a young reporter as well, so he understands the tank and we don't have to – we don't have to explain that to him, so that's also that's also nice. Always refreshing. Um, right. Yeah, always refreshing. Uh, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this is episode 59. Uh, Patrick, if you want to take us out, I think we're good to go. Yeah, we are hosted on Podbean. You can find us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Stitcher, Podcast Republic. Really, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we'll be there. Um, we're hosted by Original Grain Watches. Um, feel free to check them out. Uh, code EVT15 gets you 15% off any watch in their collection. Really great watches. Um, definitely highly recommend local San Diego company. Um, we're on Twitter. I'm EVT, or, uh, James EVT underscore news, EVT underscore J Clark. Uh, our, our podcast is at EVT Podcast. I am at Patrick Brewer 93. 
Uh, we really appreciate all the support. Uh, we're looking to continue to make these podcasts until uh, we get a World Series here. <laughs> yeah, that uh, until the, I think Patrick and I will be old men by then. But you know, we're here. We're going to do it. Uh, East Village Times podcast is signing out. EBT is out here broadcasting. EBT is out here podcasting. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Question and answer, James and Patrick ask them. Padres EBT podcast. Padres EBT podcast.